Life is an endless stream of challenges, but no worries. Manoj is bringing the world's best minds right here for you. My gosh, Manoj, you just blew my mind. Thank you, universe. Manoj, thank you. I'm so grateful. Makes me feel a little bit better. Thank you. Bootstrapping Your Dreams is here to give you what you need to succeed. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams Show. I'm your host, Manu Jagarwal, and today we have the pleasure of hosting Dr. Diana Kimbrell on our show, who is a Chief uh, Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Monroe County in New York. So Monroe County is, uh, uh, and I'll let uh, Dr. Diana talk about it, but it's a county with about 750,000 residents. Is that correct? That is correct. That is awesome. correct. So, so without further ado, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, how you got involved in diversity and inclusion? Obviously, you are very passionate about it, and um, and recently, you know, it has become a very prominent topic. You know, it has been a part of our conversation for a long time, but uh, lately, after the events of 2020 and uh, and a lot of other sort of social movements that started thereof, uh, it has become. Uh, quite a significant issue. So I'd like to unpack that and learn more about your journey as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, how did I start? So I was uh, raised here in uh, the Monroe County. The city here is Rochester, New York. So I was raised in the city of Rochester, New York. I went through the um, city school district. I graduated and I went on um, and got my uh, bachelor's degree, my master's degree, and then I got my um, doctorate degree a few years later. But in between uh, receiving my doctorate degree and uh, my master's degree, I worked for a while. So I worked in higher education and I also worked in um, HR. So, you know, I had a series of bad experiences, to be honest with you, a series of bad experiences, not having the efficacy to grow as a professional. I didn't feel as though I had opportunities. I didn't feel respected and I didn't feel valued. Um, and because of that, I decided to um, become an entrepreneur and get into the retail industry. Mm -hmm. But still during that time, I wanted to get back into the workforce, but I wanted to do it in the right way. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, I was also teaching at at, uh, the University of Phoenix online part-time and I had the opportunity to uh, get into their doctoral program in management and organizational leadership so I said hmm this seems interesting um, you know so did my research and started the program um, and really started to have some aha moments around organizational culture diversity equity and inclusion organizational change things that you know back in those days uh, 15 years or more ago, we didn't have that expe expectation to be a diverse workforce, to be mm. inclusive, to have um, opportunities for all. So, you know, you didn't have the language, so you really couldn't advocate for yourself. But as I began to acquire the language around these things, I started to have those aha moments and wanted to be that person to have a voice for people like myself. So um, I, I went through the program um, and learned a whole lot. Um, and started to apply that knowledge in organizations like Sears um, and working across the region and um, changing culture um, and working with leaders, then working with Rochester Institute of Technology and in creating programming uh, for people in STEM to attract and retain minorities and women into their STEM programs. And then I went on to an organization called Paychex, which is an HR solutions organization. Um, that really works to uh, 
you know, build, well, I worked there to build up their um, DEI strategy um, and pretty much from the ground up. Um, and then in between that time, I worked with many small organizations that couldn't afford an HR department or DEI professional, but still saw the importance of um, the work. Um, and a, a few other roles which landed me here today, but really fueled by my experiences, the experiences of others, and not really given that opportunity to thrive. That's awesome. Yeah. No, um, I can completely sort of, you know, um, relate to that being being an immigrant in North America and a person of color. So there has been, uh, I mean, you know, you know, making progress and success is never easy. But when you have to cross some extra hurdles, um, obviously, you you need to push yourself harder. And and, uh, uh, you know, it, it also helps you grow in multiple ways. Uh, but Tell me a little bit about uh, how do you think, uh, why is it important for businesses? Because I think um, I think one of the things that businesses and decision makers don't realize is if they have a diverse culture, if they have a diverse workforce, it actually works in their favor. Oh, yeah. It actually uh, gives them different points of view, new fresh ideas, new ways of looking at things. But I want to hear from you, like, what are some of the benefits of a diverse culture, a diverse workforce, inclusive workforce, according to you? Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Diversity is a win-win situation, right? So all organizations want diversity. Um, and diversity should really be the outcome of an equitable and inclusive environment, right? So we see a lot of organizations like, we want more diversity, we want more diversity, but how are you willing to invest so that you can leverage the benefits of having a diverse workforce? And we know that organizations that are diverse have the ability to perform financially at at least a 30% higher rate. Um, they are more innovative. Uh, they, they perform better. They're able to meet the needs of their clients. And now, like you said, over the last year, it has become a priority. So now we see um, investors, we see our, our stakeholders, our customers saying, how are you investing in DE&I? And if you're not, I'm not going to invest in you. So now it is really becoming a priority. It is becoming a responsibility. Um, and it, it, it is a win-win situation. But there's several barriers that get in the way of that and a lot of those barriers are, are that people don't know how to do it right mm -hmm. people aren't willing to change the way in which they do things um, in order to receive the benefits of um, DEI um, people aren't willing to invest in it and make it an organizational structure um, so then it just becomes performative. So people are just doing the niceties associated with DEI, but not really the equity work. So when you get that diversity, they have opportunities to thrive. They, um, they are being promoted, they are being understood, and they're not required to assimilate. So it's a place mm -hmm. where they feel as though they belong. So I, I think that there are several benefits, but there's also several barriers. Um, and organizations need to understand what it means to be diverse, equitable, and inclusive. It means that you are against the isms, ageism, sexism, racism, ableism, and you can demonstrate that. Some organizations have a hard time with stating, oh, we are against these things and, and, and what this means. But if you are committing to DE&I, then you're committing to, to being public, transparent um, around these things. And you know, we know our structures are all, it is embedded into all of our structures. 
So, you know, just doing the work and being on that journey um, is okay. So nobody is perfect. I haven't seen one organization. You let me know if you have one organization that does this perfectly, um, you know, our larger organizations. So everybody has room to grow. Absolutely, absolutely. And you brought up a, a good point earlier as well about the use of language. Language has, you know, words are, are powerful. I mean, words can start wars, can end wars. And uh, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, language has been a, a huge challenge in in terms of adopting diversity, inclusivity. Uh, what are your uh, sort of specific examples that you can see or share with us um, how language you was used um, prior to becoming, you know, people becoming more aware of, of uh, uh, these paradigms. And now how are things changing in the real world? I mean, we you know we can, as you said, we can hear the, 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 the marketing speak uh, uh, from the companies and that we are, you know, doing all these things. Yeah. But I would like to go a little bit behind the scenes and uh, get your experience on where things were in reality and how things are moving forward now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think it's going to be different for every company. And, and I've, I've been at several companies and it is the role of the chief diversity officer or, you know, whatever role that may be, is to make sure and advise the organization to ensure that they are using um, the, the right language, but the language is attached is attached to some action um, and everybody in the organization understands that language so it should be a common language and a common understanding around diversity equity and inclusion and what it means to this organization and how we we will commit to it as well as it has to be tangible so how is it demonstrated um, and everybody in the organization should have that language from the ceo down to the front levels the frontline staff what is DEI? What does it mean for this company? How is it tangible? So I, I think that um, you know language is key. It is something that should be uh, collaborated across an organization, and everybody should have a clear understanding of it. Um, and, and I think that moving forward from where we were a year ago, people are checking now. So organizations can say, yeah, we're diverse, equitable, and inclusive. Now people are saying, how, where, what does that mean? So, you know, you have some evidence now that you have to prove and you have to make sure that your, your words are, are actionable. Um, and, and it's something that all levels within the organization can um, articulate. That's awesome. Now, can you give us some examples, some specific examples of what kind of evidence people are looking for? Um, I mean, is it number of uh, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will just appreciate if you can share some concrete examples. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the things that people are looking for is the diversity in your organization. So you can just have numbers and say, yeah, we are, you know, we have 65% people from um, diverse backgrounds. But when you look at the org chart, you see all of those, um, all of that diversity in the, the front line or the lower levels of the organization. Mm -hmm. So they want to see if you have not yet achieved that diversity at all levels, what are the, the strategies that you have implemented or you will implement in order to to achieve diversity at all levels? How are you taking people that are at the bottom of the organization what pathway programs, pipeline programs do you have in place to bring them to the top? Um, what are your hiring strategies? How are you ensuring that you are bringing people in at a professional level from diverse backgrounds? How are you sourcing these people? Are you using your same sourcing strategies or are you using unique strategies to get to those people from diverse backgrounds? 
What does your culture look like and feel like? And what are your employees saying about your culture? How are you educating your workforce? Um, do, do people in your organization understand diversity, why you do it, and are aware of cultural differences? So organizations should be committed to a cadence of education around bias, around DEI, and, and cultural awareness uh, on a regular basis. Um, and how are you keeping people accountable? So those are those metrics those dashboards and you know different things like that so you know what are you doing to measure your effectiveness and then how are you keeping people accountable so i think yeah. those are just some of the few things that people are looking for you are listening to bootstrapping your dream show with manu jagarwal businesses face numerous challenges like finding the right product market fit determining the market size implementing a winning go-to-market strategy crafting customer-centric usp competitive analysis, looking for funding, building up cash flow and profitability. We have made a lot of free resources available to the entrepreneurial community, including this podcast. podcast. We invite you to check out our websites and follow us on social channels. The links are in the show notes. We hope you find the resources useful and utilize them to grow grow your business. We also have some programs for entrepreneurs. If you find our content useful, then you will definitely find the programs outstanding so do check them out that's awesome and and you mentioned uh, earlier you know a lot of a uh, lot of businesses um, are trying to be more diverse but in some cases they are not able to uh, you know have a, a, a specific role carved out for a responsible person for that they may not have the budgets for that, even though their their intentions are good. Um, they are just not uh, big enough to to yeah. sort of put these practices in place. So, what kind of advice or specific steps you can recommend for these small businesses, uh, so that you know they can also contribute to this movement that has started? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I think that it's important to, um, and and what I've seen organizations do that seem to work well, is set up a committee. So who are the people in the organization that would be committed to the work? Um, And realize it's going to be extra work. It's not just a fun activity that they are doing. It's going to be extra work. So you may have to compensate them or, um, you know, their time, giving them the time to be involved and do the work. And then hire a consultant to kind of guide that committee um, in the process of creating plans, being strategic, and then implementing those plans. So, um, um, you know, I think that those are the first steps. If you cannot afford to hire someone, find out who's interested, who can be committed, make sure some of those people are some of your power players in your organization, and then work with a consultant to guide you um, as you are building up a structure and strategy around DEI. That's awesome. And so <clears throat> moving forward, you know, uh, you are you have had a tremendous success uh, in your career and uh, you are taking on this challenge. Uh, there must be some driving force behind it. So um, you shared some some uh, some examples from your um, journey, but can you share something specific, some specific incident maybe in your journey or um, uh, somebody else that was impacted with this new movement where their you know life was really impacted, life changed in in certain ways where uh, they were struggling earlier and and now because of uh, you know, how companies are reacting, how companies are adopting diverse cultures. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they are able to make a significant change in their life, their family's life. Because I want to highlight those stories and and uh, showcase that you know these these things are not just um, things which are nice to hear, but they have real impact on real people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and and I think that there's several stories. But when I think back, I think about um, when I worked uh, with Paychecks and I developed the uh, Emerging Women in Leadership program to create that pipeline for uh, women that didn't get the opportunity, although they had the skill, they had the experience, but never the opportunity to step into a leadership role, um, usually women of diverse backgrounds. And research shows us that, you know, women um, from underrepresented uh, backgrounds, they really don't get that they get the broken rung. So they never really get that first step to uh, step into leadership. So creating that program, um, I was able to get um, a lot of women together um, and kind of do a circle mentorship, um, do some education, do things to build their confidence as well as their visibility throughout the organization in order to get them promoted and um, move throughout the organization. Um, And we did a few cohorts, but I know several of those women um, have stepped into leadership roles um, and and are now growing and thriving in the organization, uh, satisfied with with their roles and feels feel like feels as though they are um, thriving and living up to their full potential. So, you know, there's a few women, one one woman in particular um, that had been with the organization for 20 years and hadn't had an opportunity. And now she is thriving as a manager um, and continuing to grow. So that lets me know that, and you know, people that are on the verge of leaving an organization, like I'm gonna leave this organization, I'm just over it, I'm through. But those programs are what retain people that keep them there and give them some hope. And that is what was was really important to me to see people grow and continue even to this day to connect with me and let me know their progress. That's awesome, that's great. Um, now, you know, uh, to, to implement this kind of change is not easy, especially in large organizations. Um, so what kind of, like, do you face any resistance or challenges as you, as you go about sort of suggesting these changes, uh, implementing these changes? Uh, what, what are those challenges? What, are, uh, what should the, the business owners, entrepreneurs should be aware of as they go about, or, or even somebody who's responsible for implementing these strategies, what should they be aware of in terms of making these programs successful? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that, you know, in my journey, there has been a lot of resistance. And I see, I see more people being resistant to um, the interpersonal part of it. So, you know, understanding differences, you know, listening and learning and be more resistant to the the process changes, the systems changes, because they have to change the way they know how to do things. Um, Or, you know, it it may cost a little more, it may take a little more time. So there I see the most resistance, but I think that we, we have the opportunity to be more impactful when we can change the way in which people are doing things. So as we are educating, we are communicating and we are interacting, we are learning, but in the moment when we need to implement that, that information, we don't do that. So we have to have some interventions in place that will require us to change the way in which we do things. 
things. And I think that's the hardest part for people to do is to change. Maybe they've been doing a job for 10 years and I'm like, okay, you have to come in and do this differently. You got to, you know, write this down. You got to record this. And they're like, no, I don't want to, you know, that's going to get in the way of my work. So really, really motivating people to, um, you know, be receptive to the change because in the end we talked about what diversity does for organization. It's only going to make us better. Yeah. It seems like um, you really have to stand your ground um, uh, in order for, for these kind of changes to be implemented, right? Like uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very cultural thing. It's a very sort of also sensitive thing uh, for many people, isn't it? Right. Oh yeah. It, it, it is very, it is very sensitive. It is, it is down to the root of who people are. So when you are thinking about changing minds and hearts, you have to know that you won't change everyone, especially when you're in a large organization, 20,000 people, there's no way that you can change every heart and every mind. Um, and you know, it, it really is inherent to who they are, but in the organization, the organization should adapt a culture so that this is how we live in this organization. This is how we work. This is how we perform and have those things implemented into the way in which things are done. So even if people don't believe it in their heart, they still are doing the work based on the way in which the strategy, I mean, in which the system has been implemented. Mm, that's that's awesome. And so um, in your experience, how how should, how does the strategy get uh, implemented most effectively? Is it top down or bottom up or is it both or how, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, great question. I think that is both. Right. So you can start with the education. You have your ERG groups. You have your cultural awareness. That really is um, your bottom up approach and using the employees to get involved. I think that it's important for organizations to know this is everybody's responsibility. It's not just your DEI person. It is not just uh, your HR person. This is everybody in the organization. Um, so, you know, using that um, kind of grassroots approach and then also working with the leadership that is, leadership is a key strategy for DEI and for it to be effective. Leaders should be cultivating it, uh, modeling it. Um, and, and fostering it on their teams. Um, and, and the CEO should be endorsing it, setting the expectation, letting everyone know that this is a business imperative, not just a nice to have, um, and, and holding people accountable as well. So I think you, you definitely go both ways with that. But um, in regards to changing systems, you need that CEO, you need those leaders on board. And in, and in regards to changing the culture is where the employees come in. So we all have a part and making sure that we are impactful around DEI. Yeah, that's that's very um, that's very key. I think uh, we need to include everything in the decision making. Get their buy-in. Otherwise, at some level, something will fall apart, and the whole program may collapse. Isn't it? Absolutely. Okay. And then uh, you know you you also have a very unique perspective because you have worked in the private sector. You have you're now working for the for the county. Uh, so how are things different between uh, the public office? And, and private enterprises. Do you find any any differences? Is it easier? Is it harder um, to to implement these kind of changes? Yeah, I mean, they're all they both have unique challenges, right? So they are very very different. Um, you know, of course, the similar goals to um, hire, uh, retain, promote, develop the culture. Those things are the same, but the way in which you will go about it is going to be different in the organization um, and 
you know, based on the organization or the industry, excuse me, the, the risk is different. So maybe in corporate, the risk is we don't want to offend any of our employees. Um, and in government, we don't want to offend any of our community members. Um, you know, the tools and resources may be a little bit different. So how you get your message out, how you educate, you may have more tools and resources to do that in the corporate environment, whereas government, you have to be a little more creative. Um, corporate environment uh, may be, uh, you may be able to kind of get through things a little bit quick, quicker um, and get things approved a little bit quicker, whereas through government, there are several layers of approvals and, and those different things. So um, it, it, the mission can be a little bit different. Government, you may have a more advocacy um, approach in the community. So when I stepped into um, my role, the community starts to, um, you know, lean on, on my department for best practices. How do we do it? What do we do? So you kind of become the voice of yeah. the community. Um, and that's a little bit different from for corporate because you're just working for that organization. For yeah. government, you're, you're working for the employees, but mm -hmm. also everyone in the community as well. Yeah. So it's a little more pressure there. But, yeah. you know, the, the, the goal is the same, but how you reach that goal is going to be different. That's that's well said. Um, and so, uh, you know, as, as we go about making these changes, obviously, uh, we discussed there's going to be challenges, but we also tend to make some mistakes. So um, do you recall any any mistakes that you may want to share that you um, that you now uh, when you think about it, you you think to yourself, oh, maybe I could have done it differently or or something along those lines, because we can all learn from each other's mistakes. And if you can. Uh, Share something that will be insightful. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, mistakes. I think that you, um, you you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be a little. Um, you know, you can't be afraid to mess up because you know, like I said, in each industry and each organization is going to look different. So you're going to come in with a perspective, but you really have to learn what's going to work. Coming into government, the way, you know, the way in which you go in and you, you rally people and you get people excited about this is a little bit different, right? You don't, the, the way in which people interact with the organization is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, so coming into the organization and not really realizing um the difference in the culture and the industry that it will have on DEI. So that may be one mistake. Um, maybe learning more about your particular um, organization, more about that industry, and then going into um, implementing your DEI yeah. strategies. So that may, you know, one area for opportunity and realizing, you know, even if it is two governments, it's still going to be completely different. Yeah, yeah. This is culture work. This is about Absolutely. the culture. Absolutely. Yeah. So knowing your audience and then making sure the message resonates with them is, is very important, isn't it? Absolutely. Awesome. And um, now coming back to your success story, your life journey, you know, uh, coming, uh, you know, reaching the, the height of success that you have achieved. Not many people get to enjoy that. So what are your secrets to success that you can share with the audience? Yeah, um, I would say my secret to success is definitely perseverance, right? So life is going to happen no matter what you do, um, and you're going to have bad days. But if you know that you have bad days and you plan for those bad days, then you'll be able to get through those. So I think it is persevering and realizing that it is only a short period of time. A rainbow is on the other side. Um, so, you know, just, just getting through those bad days, um, handling the challenges, and always being prepared. Mm-hmm. That's great, and then, and then you know, um, uh, even in the in the government, in the corporate sector, 
as as ambitious people there we will also face internal competition as as we discussed earlier we will face resistance and you've had the experience of being an entrepreneur yourself so um how do you deal with competition you know a lot of people uh when i talk to them they say hey you know we should really look for unique uh unique business ideas unique uh, opportunities where there is absolutely no competition but it's kind of hard to do that isn't it so so we have to deal with competition no matter what so how do you um deal with competition how do you come out at uh, on the top um uh, you know even though even though there may be uh, some uh, amazing people who are trying to achieve the same level of success yeah absolutely so i i would say really my background having a diverse background myself from communication to marketing to educate higher education to organizational development to being a qualitative and quantitative researcher and being and then being someone who has been marginalized as well um, and has suffered or has been impacted um, by the results of a lack of inclusion. And I think that's my key. <laughs> my, my key thing there is that I understand the trauma and I, and I understand the importance of it. So beyond our, our innovation, improving our bottom line, I understand what it means to people um, mm -hmm. and, and what it could do to people with, without having it um, and, that, and that notion of psychological safety. So bringing all those uniquenesses together is definitely what makes me unique um, mm -hmm. in this space. That's a, yeah, so we, we need to we need to be authentic and carry uh, our story authentically and share it with others, right? Not not try to um, be somebody who we are not, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. Now, um, uh, the other thing is, um, I want to talk to you about mentors. Um, so, having uh, come you know come so far, um, have you had any mentors who have given you advice, given you the direction, given given you uh, listen to your problems and suggested new ways of uh, solving those problems. Uh, what, what, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would definitely say, of course, my mom and my parents, they've always supported me and every, you know, everything I wanted to do, even though they couldn't understand it. They're like, yeah, OK, go ahead and do it. So <laughs> definitely, um, you know, my family being there to support me. Um, different um, educators and community workers supporting me, um, you know, people from college, um, you know, the, the counselors and, you know, different things and really seeing things in me maybe that I didn't see in myself. Um, and then even some of the leaders that I've had, um, you know, the, the leader that I had at uh, Paychex, you know, really believing in me and just letting me do my thing, you know, uh, in, in those instances. So I, I've definitely had um, a path of great leaders um, that I've come across um, and also taking note of women like Michelle Obama and, you know, her philosophy of life and becoming. You don't have to be perfect. You, we all are evolving, and, and that is something that um, I hold near and dear to me um, and, and in my heart as I continue to do the things that I do. It may not be perfect, but it is becoming, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's definitely something to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's very important. And so now, do you do you turn back and sort of instill the same um, same uh, in uh, same qualities and same sort of uh, teachings in the people that you're leading? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every chance I get, you know, those that are interested and those that are on my team, those that are not on my team, um, 
taking that opportunity to instill those same things as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great. Uh, thank you so much for being with us uh, today and sharing uh, your life journey and, and such an important topic, uh, diversity and inclusion. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's such a uh, um, uh, appropriate topic for this time we are living in as well. So, so thank you so much. And uh, uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how can they how can they do that? Um, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is probably the best way to get in contact with me. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll, we'll put the link to your profile in the show notes. Okay. Sounds Great. good. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Sarah, producer of the Bootstrapping Your Dreams Bootstrapping Show. Your Dreams show. This episode has come to an end. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for the links to the resources mentioned in this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Until the next episode, goodbye. Keep going and keep winning.